Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. We are inching so closely to episode 100. This is episode 97. I'm really excited for episode 100 because first of all, 100 episodes, oh my gosh. And secondly, um, I interviewed my parents And so I'm going to splice together mom and dad's interviews to make one whole interview and and have that be episode 100. I thought that would be really fun. So looking forward to that one. Um, This episode uh, is all about Enneagrams. And for those of you who know what the Myers-Briggs are, uh, the Myers-Briggs test is, you might also know what the Enneagram is. And it's, it's sort of along the same line in that um, it's a personality, um, how you deal with the world at large and how the world sees you and all that kind of stuff. One of those deals. Um, I am being very basic in my description of it because obviously I want you to listen to the episode where I speak with Ramona Reed, who is a specialist in Enneagrams. Um, she is here in Nashville and I went and hung out with her and talked all about it. Um, it's really super interesting. For those of you that know what these are, it's when you hear people say, oh, you're a four, or, oh, you're a seven, or oh, you're an eight. That's what the Enneagram, uh, that's what what's being talked about is your number is your Enneagram number. Um, I took a test before I went to talk to Ramona, and um, it is a test that is offered at the Enneagram Institute dot, I want to say this right, it's either dot com or dot org, let me see, enneagraminstitute.com. And Enneagram, Enneagram, I'm going to say it wrong every time probably, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. So I know that for some people you're thinking, wait, is that where you start with one word and you jumble up all the letters and you end up with another word? That's um, an anagram. So this is different. (laughs) Um, And it's not a bananagram either, which is when you send a banana to your friend or your enemy if, if they don't like bananas or maybe they're allergic. I don't know. I personally love bananas, but not ripe bananas. I like them just before they're ripe. I think that's when they're the best. Um, But it's not a bananagram, and it's not an anagram. It's an enneagram. Uh, (laughs) It was really interesting. It's one of those fields where I feel like uh, the more you know, the more you need to know, in that it's a large um, body of work to read through in order to understand it completely. But Ramona was really great when we talked. She... Um, she went through every number. Um, so uh, toward, toward the end of our conversation, she broke down every number um, to a kind of a basic explanation. And I thought that was really helpful. Um, yeah, and okay, so we're going to get to that. But of course, I need to remind you, please go and review Hey Human podcast on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate it and or, you know, any of the podcast apps that you might use. But I think iTunes is probably the most prevalent. So please go rate and review on there. And then um, also a reminder that I will put stuff we talked about on this episode, especially we talked about certain books and um, I'm going to put those on the links page of Hey Human Podcast. And when you click on the links to buy books um, of stuff from every episode, it goes to the Amazon portal that's helps support Hey Human. And also, if you're not interested in stuff on the links page, but you just go to Amazon and shop because you're an Amazon shopper like many of us are, if you go to the heyhumanpodcast.com website, at the very top of the homepage is an Amazon portal. If you click on that, 
you will not be taken into the future or another dimension. That portal just leads to Amazon where you can shop and it helps support Hey Human. So please do that as well. I'm on all the social media, Hey Human Podcast, and I'm on Twitter under Susan Ruthism if you're a Twitter person. And you can always email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. I love hearing from you. And uh, I do enjoy getting those emails. So please keep doing that. And other than that, wherever you are, I hope you are doing awesome. And uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, so excited that we're around in the corner to 100 episodes. And it's because y'all keep listening. And I'm really thankful for that. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, Ramona Reed. Hello, Susan. <laughs> Thanks for being on Hey Human. Absolutely. Looks yeah. like everything is running smoothly. So we met when you came to one of my musical shows. Yes. Yeah. At the, where was it? The listening room? The listening room, yeah. I've been there twice, and I really enjoyed your set. Oh, awesome. thank you. Grabbed your CD. Oh, did you it. like it? I did, and actually you were my favorite up on stage, too. Thank you. Did I not tell you that when we met? I don't think, I don't know, maybe. I told, I told our friends Michelle and Annie that I'm like, oh, she's my favorite. Bonus. Oh, you know, thank you. Sometimes you go hear a lot of people in this town, and most of the people I know, I think, are musicians. Yeah. And, and the people I love are yeah. musicians. And then you go and see them, and you're like, a lot of times they're really great. And then sometimes they're like, okay. And you yeah. still just like, you know, you just want to support them anyway. But no, you really were awesome. Thank you. That, so. That's very kind. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, well, so we got to talking, and you do um, all sorts of things. I'll let you talk about all the things you do. But the thing that really um, got my ear was you do Enneagrams. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I didn't know a whole lot about that, it was fun to look into it. So yeah. what, are, what are all the things you do? Well, I, I own a holistic health center in East Nashville called Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy. And um, we are here now, and it's yes, beautiful, and it are. smells really good in here. I just got acupuncture right before you came, so I'm a little, I got the acu-high, so I'm yeah. a little mellow. But yeah. Um, yeah, we have acupuncture, massage, Reiki, um, EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, tapping. We have mental health counseling here, yoga classes. Um, and intuitive Enneagram coaching, of which I am the coach. So yeah. we do lots of different stuff here, but part of it is, um, the, I think the cornerstone of it is this intake process where I sit with someone for an hour and we try to really figure out what's going on with them historically from a uh, physical as well as emotional and psychological standpoint and figure out an alternative therapy treatment plan. So you can use all the different modalities that are here depending on mm-hmm. what they say or what, what they talk about. Yeah, and also hand in hand with, you know, Western medicine. We're not just like, you know, shoo all of that and just come over here and do our thing. Like we want to, we want you to, you know, obviously have a holistic experience. So sometimes that involves going to get blood work done and going to see a doctor because yeah. people come here sometimes really sick. Um, other people come here just, you know, they're having some relationship problems and they want to know what their Enneagram type is so they can help, you know, they can figure out how to be their best self in, inside that relationship. So there's a broad spectrum sure. of people that we serve. Yeah. What got you into all this? Oh, goodness. Were um, you always more on the Eastern side of medicine or? No, no. I was told in a, in a psychic reading when I was 18 that I was going to help people um, wake up and to like a higher consciousness and I'm like whatever I think I was working at Subway at the time <laughs> and then I did um, all these bizarre jobs I ended up in healthcare as a nurse assistant for a while in hospice within in, in a um, house with AIDS patients back mm-hmm. in the 90s before you know that was something that people really did and then I did um, retail sales and I did um, middle management in corporations and then I did uh, stop shoplifters for a couple years and 
And so like this had always been in the back of my head, like, I'm going to, is that real? You know, is that really going to be something I do? And what does that mean? And, but I kind of stopped thinking about it and just life progressed me in this way. And um, I got, I quit my middle management uh, corporate loss prevention job and decided, what do I really want to do? And it was massage. So I went to massage school um, at 30 and decided to do that. So then, you know, I'd always been interested in energy work, so I became a Reiki master, and then... Were you interested in that at 18, or...? In Reiki, I was in New Mexico, and sort of everybody is interested in okay. energy work in New Mexico. So, sure. I mean, there's, it was something I was always um, drawn to, but again, this wasn't, this wasn't like a plan. Okay. This was a get out of the way, you know... Life will happen. Keep getting out of the way of your, of your ego and your will and see what happens, and, you know, this is this sort of... The center happened um, specifically from a, a voice. Oh, that was in. I'm gonna put a pillow behind. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, motorcycling happening. So yeah, we're on we're on Gallatin. There always is a little bit of motorcycle yeah, happening, so but I just in, in case it's getting picked up, I'm gonna just do that. Okay. Absolutely, that's better. Yeah, so I mean, I was a massage therapist for a while, but then I, I got this very distinct. I put on a, a purba, which is a um, it's a Tibetan symbol of healing. And it's supposed to be um, the cutter. It cuts through illusions. And I put on this piece of jewelry. And it sounds really bizarre and esoteric, but this really actually happened. I got this rush of energy throughout the day that felt like I couldn't figure out what I needed to do. It was like anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then I got this voice that was like, do it now. The center, do it now. And I'd had this idea maybe for a couple days, and we'd, I talked about it. But it was a very distinct um, physical auditory voice mm. so I was like okay and we um, me and my partner decided we'd come up with a name and say that we had a center even before we had a physical center and then it just kind of manifested and this person the landlord called me and was like here you want to open up a holistic center I have a place and that's how it happened was wow. it was really crazy how the people yeah. would call and be like hey I've been looking for a place and this is the perfect um, community and group um, so we ended up with a great team throughout the past three years that have you know, come and gone, and, and um, what has worked, what has been steady, and what has been um, received really well is the massage, acupuncture, what we are now, tapping, and Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So we decided let's stick with what's working, you know, um, and then we have a really big uh, community of off-site referral partners that involve nutrition and fitness and you know, more Western medicine or nurse practitioners, things like that. What about businesses that, because I, I, when I, was, I took the test, the Enneagram test mm-hmm. that you sent me the link mm-hmm. to, which was, is it Enneagram Institute? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dot com. Anyone mm-hmm. wants to take the test? Yeah. Um, and it was $12. Yeah. And uh, as I was reading it, I got the sense that I could see businesses using this to try and mm-hmm. suss out their workers and what, yeah. is that what it's primarily used for? I think that's what it's primarily used for right now is in corporations. Yeah, kind of like um, the DISC test or Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs, For yeah. people to have a better working relationships, understanding of their coworkers, things like that. It is used um, really prevalently there. It's also used in churches. It's used in couples counseling. It's used in a lot of different ways. In churches, what mm-hmm. it, how so? Well, um, it's you know it's a lot to get into. Before but the, we well, actually yeah. before we even go explain because people may not even know what an enneagram is. Right. So let's right. let's talk well, about that first. Of course, yeah. The enneagram is a um, 
it's in essence a personality typing system like Myers-Briggs. A lot of people have heard of Myers-Briggs. More and more people are hearing about the Enneagram, but I think Myers-Briggs is more like common. Mm. So it's, it's similar to that in that it asserts that you're one of these nine different types um, or that you are perhaps dominant in the energies of one of these nine different types is, is a better way to put it. And learning about this type, learning about your personality is helpful because then you can start to um, not be so tethered to the ego and the personality and really realize eventually your true nature, your essential qualities, your virtue. So in that way, it can be a spiritual pursuit, but in a lot of ways it's used as an intellectual pursuit or as a social uh, construct to, in order to help people relate better. Isn't the ego the one taking the test, though? Ah, <laughs> yes, actually. The so ego. That's, as I was taking this test, I, I was thinking, I'm not either of these things. Mm -hmm. And so then I'd sit with it for a minute and mm -hmm. say, all right, what have you been? Mm -hmm. And these, like, and I tried to picture myself in different scenarios, mm -hmm. and then choose the one that either fit me the most, mm -hmm. and or what I know that other people have said about me. Yes. And so, I was trying to get out of my own way as well. But I was like, oh, maybe it's the ego that actually is supposed to be taking this test, uh -huh. and not the person that I have m more realized. Mm -hmm. So it was. I wish there had been, so the, taking the test, there's two questions, and you have to pick which is most like you, as you know, mm -hmm. there's 144 questions, I mm -hmm. assume there's probably different tests that there have different lots. levels, mm -hmm. um, but probably good 15-20% of them, I thought, where's my third option, because yeah. I am not this, nor am I this, yes. I have shown both traits at some certain points in my right. life, but I didn't feel like... Yeah, so the testing what? is like, the, it's the worst part. It's, I think, the, the, the least clear part is yeah. the testing. There's a quick test that I do with people before they come in for coaching or when they come in for the intake that's literally like six questions. Uh -huh. um, there's the 144. There's one that's 54. There's one that's 27. Quite, I mean, there's so many different tests, and the tests are so inadequate at determining your type. Yeah. I think what's the and they the, ask the same questions differently differently as you move through the test and I right. I didn't know if it's static or if it mm -hmm. grows with you so that if you ask if you answer a certain way it will provide a different amount of mm -hmm. questions which I wondered that too I yeah. assume, is it across the board the same questions so that you get a uh, true Enneagram Institute I don't know how they do it okay. I know that there's some that are that are um, receptive to your answers and they'll kind of change but I don't know if the Enneagram Institute has that test yeah. um, I know that the book. Um, the Wisdom of the Enneagram book by Russo Hudson has um, what's called the Ready Sampler in the, inside their book, which is the one I use. It's a, the most simple, basic, non-comprehensive, uh -huh. inadequate I'll test. I'll put a link to it on my Absolutely. website well, so I just people said, can find it. Very yeah. inadequate. But, but the best way I feel like to find your type is to read about and study the types. Huh. And then some, most likely what happens is people find themselves or their egos in the descriptions of these types. Yeah. So that's that's how it often happens. It often happens in this like aha or ooh, oh god, there I am. Mm. moment where you and you see it a lot of times not from the high energies of the type, but you'll recognize um, your your type or your your dominant type in some of the lower level energies or what's called the fixation or the passion of the type. Um, that's where people often have that like acknowledgement of their shadow side. Mm -hmm. And that's what sometimes the test can take away from us. Um, I, I read something somewhere that said, it was beautifully put, that there is a muscle that develops inside of us when we are able to determine 
our own type. Instead of having someone type you or tell you, even a test, like here you are, there's something that develops inside of us that I think is really necessary for our process for self-awareness where we can say, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's something I've been known to do in my, you know, uh, lower energies <laughs> I've been known yeah. to do. That's how I sabotage stuff. Or, yeah, that is one of my essential qualities. That is something I'm proud of. That is a virtue. When I'm quiet, when I meditate, when I'm still, I pick up on that energy naturally. That process, I think, is a lot more effective at determining your dominant type than taking these tests. But the tests are everywhere. They're rampant. They're popular. And they're, mm. you know, people like to take them. And, and, you know, like all kinds of things on the Internet, you like to take tests to determine, you know, mm-hmm. you know which golden girl we would be or which it is character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's everywhere. I think that's because we're constantly seeking that which is not of us to understand ourselves. Yeah. You know, to, yes. to, we're always looking for the mirror yeah, unrealizing un- that it's all inside of yeah, mm-hmm. we're reflecting ourselves constantly. Yes, you know. So and some some types looking for that mirror more than others. There's three types that I can go through them if you want me to. Sure, but so it to. would be so yeah. ina- like I said an inadequate description, but I can do that. But there's three types specifically that are the attention or mirroring types that are really looking for that. And then there's three that are the autonomy types that are more like, don't mess with me. Uh-huh. And then there's three types that are more security-based. Okay. So it's interesting, and I, I haven't really done any kind of like looking into this, but um, there's lots of groups online for Enneagram, and, and there's lots of discussions. Like, I feel like more types online are like fours or fives or twos. It just seems to me the more investigative or mirroring types mm-hmm. end up being online. But, what are you? Well, you know, that's, that's a discussion that <laughs> I've always said I'm a two. I've been studying this for almost uh, six, seven, almost seven years, and I thought full on that muscle that developed right on. I was like, oh, yep, I'm a two. I witnessed myself in that, in that description, and I had a lot of shame over it. And I've spent, you know, a lot of time looking at those different parts of myself and trying to build them up and and to be um, less ego based, less reactive, and more of those essential qualities and So spin- twos are ego based? Well we're all ego based. No well, twos I agree. are <laughs> the twos are the helpers. The twos are um, the ones that in the heart triad that have this essential quality of these essential qualities of attunement and sweetness and unconditional love and they're the givers. Uh-huh. And in their lower levels they uh, tend to be very manipulative and prideful to mm-hmm. try to get that attention through grasping mm-hmm. and giving love and no, 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 I don't need this, you need this. Mm-hmm. And in that way, manipulating other people to, um, and, and also not acknowledging they have their own needs and not having a lot of self-care. And So you see that yeah, in like... The martyr um, personality. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and so I spent a lot of time with that. And, yeah. and actually very recently I've been really investigating that I might be a type one, which is hilarious because this is what I do, you know, is help people figure out their types. But that's sort of the whole point. But do we not don't, grow? We grow well, into different types? I, I don't think we... Well, that's a really good question. I mean, I think that we uh, eventually, the whole point is to not be so attached to our shadow side of one ego, you know, of one dominant type that we live there. I think yeah. the point is that we ascend our type and um, take on the virtues of all the types and recognize our different energies that are in all the types. However, it is important not to bypass the step of learning your dominant ego reactive state. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to do that. Like, no, I'm just all the types. It's like actually you actually do um, in all of these books you read and all of these ideas about... I didn't know if you wanted me to wait. (laughs) Enneagram, all of these, all of the whole concept is that we... Goodness. 
it's a Harley, Harley factory out yeah. <laughs> um, What was I saying? That the whole idea is that we are one dominant type. We were born, some people believe, one dominant type. And to learn that is important because you're going to go there when you have stress or anxiety. That's mm -hmm. where you're naturally going to go. Mm -hmm. You're not going to naturally go to that shadow side of this other type. So you go to your child when Absolutely. you're stressed. Your child is where your, your adolescent comes from to protect, right? Yeah. So if, you've, if you uh, interviewed Michelle Shelfont, right? I did, yeah. Good friend of mine. So we've talked a lot about how the adolescent chair is actually your Enneagram type. Yeah, okay. It makes sense. It seems yeah. like it would be the logic that where so, you start from. Right. So why do you want to sit and learn everything for decades about your adolescent? The whole point is to get into your adult chair, which is from the Enneagram's perspective, your uh, virtuous state. Yeah. You know. And then all of the, the different types of virtuous state. How do you feel the Enneagrams differ from the Myers-Briggs? For people out there that have taken that test, right. of which there are probably so, so many people yeah. have taken that test. Yeah, and I have as well. Um, I feel like for me, the Myers-Briggs was helpful. I read about my type and, um, and then I didn't know what to do. It was like, then what? And maybe this is part of my one energy and I'll explain that in a minute, but the ones are the reformers. Like we want to be better. We want to perfect mm -hmm. um, ourselves and others. And um, so maybe it's that, but I, I didn't know what was next and I wanted something more. And when I read about the Enneagram and, and I learned that it's not just going to tell you what your type is and give you a really full comprehensive understanding of what that is, it's going to offer you a pathway out of that mm. so that you can help dissolve the walls of your type and, and, and what we're talking about, you know, pick up on the energies of, of all of the different types. So that gave that to me in a way that, that Myers-Briggs, I didn't really feel like did. It was Myers-Briggs is great at understanding this box, as is the Enneagram, but the Enneagram then, this is where, for me, it turned into a spiritual process of um, wanting to figure out all the ways that I had done things, messed up and sabotage relationships and created a lot of suffering in, in my own life through, uh, and then through this information, I was like, oh, I don't have to do that. <laughs> that's not me. And also that people identify with the shadow side and think that's them. But the Enneagram gives you this sense of... You mean totality? Like, that's all them. Is yeah, the like, oh, I'm so bad, or I'm so... Like, they yeah. feel like that's their, like, in the words of Dexter, like, that's their dark passenger, and mm -hmm. it's always going to be there. And it's like, there's no grace in that. There's no self-compassion there. There's just judgment and blame mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. fear. You so, gotta get down with your shadow. That's right, you do. And I think you gotta <laughs> Go to lunch it. together. That's right. And sometimes it can be really helpful. Yeah. And so, yeah, that... My that, shadow loves a great steak. <laughs> <laughs> my shadow my shadow likes pumpkin pies. Oh, sweet, but, I just made pumpkin pies yesterday. Yeah. This is my first time making them. Oh, wow. They're really good. Yeah. Anyway. You should have brought some. I should have brought you one. <laughs> I'm Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I've, had enough, I've had enough pie the past two days. So and I know. Yeah, but it, yeah, so it does, it gives you compassion for yourself and it allows you to also distance yourself from the thing that you've created to be such a monster. Mm. It's like, oh, that's not, if you can read about your pattern or your ego in a book and you're not just one of nine people in the world, if you can so completely identify with a pattern mm -hmm. in a book, then that's not you. And then you can go, oh, okay, well then who the hell am I? Mm -hmm. I'm not just that. So then the real adventure begins. It's fascinating. Yeah. Huh. So, and there's the horoscopes. Let's mm -hmm. dig into that. Okay. All right. So, I know so little about that. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. but what's interesting to me is that, you know, people read their horoscope and there was that, that test in the 70s where the psychology professor 
handed out the same exact horoscope to everyone without anyone else knowing uh -huh. and just had the name of whichever sign mm -hmm. and everyone's like this is totally me right but it was the exact same thing right. across the board but if you dig down into astrological stuff and you get you know time of birth uh, -huh. uh place of birth the moons this you know the sun where right. all the houses are then it starts getting really complex and uh -huh. more specific which is to me fascinating all right. this stuff fascinates me who I don't know exactly who came up with the astrological conversation. From my understanding, it goes way back, like way, Pythagorean way, way, yeah. kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Well, at least numerology does, is Pythagoras. But um, who came up with the anagram? Yeah, so that's a, that's or a really good question. Or is it more than question. one guy? Well, it's more than one guy or a girl. <laughs> Maybe a girl. <laughs> and it, the, the symbolism of it is um, pre-biblical. Mm. Um, some people say that it, it goes back to like Sufism, the mm. symbol of it, because there's a symbol of the Enneagram. It's an actual um, uh, diagram. You can look it up online, but it's a circle with this sort of movement and pathway in between, which... It know, reminded me, I think they showed it on the Institute's website uh -huh, mm -hmm. that when they gave me my my readout, mm -hmm. it was a circle and it had lines mm -hmm. that... And it that's what made me think of the astrological stuff because yes. the deep, deep astrological stuff shows you grand trines and when things yes. are, where all the yes. planetary connections. And I thought, oh, this reminds me of that. Yes. So I wondered. I talked to a friend, Rachel Lang. Are you familiar with her? She's an astrologer. Give her a hey, oh. hey, human call yeah, because totally. she's fascinating. <laughs> she was an astrologer I had on my radio show. And we talked. What's your radio show? Holistic Revolution on WXNA. Ah. So uh, we, I interviewed her like a year ago. And we talked on the phone first because she was a friend of a friend. And she lives in L.A., but she comes here sometimes and does readings for people all over the world. And um, very gifted, intuitive as well. But we talked about she was really into the Enneagram. And, and so we were able to talk about the... the um, uh, commonalities of Enneagram mm. and astrology and how it actually does play really closely together. So I think all of this stuff mm. comes from... It's all know, very old. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, but saying that, the ideas of it were old, but as far as being a personality typing system, that's like 60s and 70s. Okay. It's fairly new. They were big into that stuff in the 60s. They sure were. Yeah. And so, and this came from... Um, I think it was Gurdjieff around the turn of the century that came up with these ideas of movement. It wasn't even about personality as much as it was about movement. Mm. And then he, um, I think, inspired I think Chazo and um, Naranjo, sorry, who ended up doing their own studies separately. And then they've inspired people. And then Risso Hudson wrote this book, Wisdom of the Enneagram. They were teaching it. And then now um, Russ Hudson still teaches, and he's the one that does the EnneagramInstitute.com. Uh, so he, he um, helps to certify Enneagram instructors and, and um, courses, and I hope to take one soon because they look fascinating and horribly expensive. But How do you anyway, get certified for something? I would think that you it don't, just... You don't really need... You, so you don't need to be certified to be an Enneagram coach, thank goodness, because I'm not. But And that's what I love and that's what I do. Um, however... The more you learn, the better you are, right? The more you learn about something, the, the better you're going to be able to, tr you know, translate it to your to your clients. So, um, I read a lot of books and, and do a lot of um, online classes and mm. courses, and you know that they actually give online. So that's fun. But I want to go to China and learn about the Enneagram, or I want to go to Meg Institute, you know. But um, yeah, so it's it's a fairly new personality typing system, and and Risso Hudson came up with the levels of development inside each type. And when you were talking about specifics. In astrology, like the time and place you're born, the Enneagram has that as well. It's not just like you're one of nine types. Mm. You're one of nine types with nine different levels of health inside the types. You mm. can be like a level uh, one, two is going to be the most giving, um, 
uh, like Mother Teresa type person who was actually in fact an eight, but from someone who knows her, but she, um, she was a, a very giving, loving, unconditionally loving, giving person. Highest level of two is the helper. Lowest level will be like psycho stalker, you need to be mine, you know, that grasping. And but, well, we don't usually live in either one of those places. We live somewhere on the like mm-hmm. average level. So the level of where you are at any given moment is movable, right? Mm-hmm. But so that's why it's, you know, there's that distinction between totally different uh, twos. And then there's your wing. So on either side of you, you're going to pick up of the energy of the one next to you. So a like two a cusp. Is, Exactly. Yes. Yes. So the two is going to have either more three energy or more one energy. A four is going to have a five energy or a three energy more dominantly. So your four wing three is going to be totally different than a four wing five. How do you delineate all these? Is that just a you more learn, complicated test? Or you is learn, that... I, yeah, they're tests, but again, I don't believe in them because yeah. I feel like I've been typed a nine, a seven, a two, a six. Just depending. On, on, well, at, at um, the same times, I've oh. taken different tests and typed differently. Huh. Um, now I know the test, so I know to type a two each time. I know how to take the test. And I was just joking with that with uh, my partner last night. Like she took a new test, and it was a. It was, she was like, "Oh, I'm a nine. I'm like, "Yeah, you are a nine. But I think she knows how to take the test too. And as she's taking it, so yeah, when you say know how to take the test, like know how to manipulate it to become what you think you are, not manipulate it as much as you know what they're asking. If you've studied the enneagram, you know that that question is like basically saying, "Are you a four? Because you understand the ah, wording of the different types. So you understand. know what they're asking. Yeah. But, so, um, yeah, there's sorry, there's no. uh, ways of taking tests that can tell you your wing, but I think that's something you need to, again, investigate the type next to you yeah. and see which one feels more like you. And then there's your level of integration or disintegration. If you're healthy, you're going to travel. Those lines in that mm-hmm. circle mm-hmm. show where we travel mm-hmm. when we're healthier or when we're not. It's fascinating. And so that, and then there's also the biggest distinction um, in one type is your dominant instinct, which is going to be either self-pres, social, or sexual. So a sexual dominant two is going to be very different than a self-pres dominant two. So this is how we get to be completely 100% unique in our ego reactive pattern from somebody else that's a two next to me. Oh, totally different people, but we have this commonality and what's in common usually is what's important to us, where we go when we're stressed out, and you know what stresses us out. Mm-hmm. So, Can you tell when you meet people, just at a cocktail party, mm-hmm. when you think, that's a four or whatever well, it is? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, unfortunately, I do tend to do that but it's not healthy it's not something I want to do because it's just one of those things when you're learning something you're excited about it it's what you live and what you think about all the time I totally geek out over it all the time then yeah we're going to go to a cocktail party and people that know the Enneagram are going to be talking in Enneagram like I don't know I feel like maybe he's might be a four might be coming up with some 500 I mean we do talk like that but it's not good to do because again if you were to tell somebody that you've just robbed them of their process of Mm self-awareness and getting to know themselves so Mm -hmm. it's not really as a coach I would never do that someone coming to me like what's my type I'm not gonna be like well you seem like a because what am I saying when I'm saying that to you well your negative traits are right and that's and not the nice. only way you can see me is through your own paradigm. Exactly. So, yeah, so You're going to be the one that really knows. Yeah. And Although so, I, when I was taking the test, I thought, I wonder what would happen if, say, my best friend Ellen took the test and, and to judge me. I mm-hmm. use the word judge very loosely. Right. But if she were to take it and think of me and how it would turn out versus my own assertion of taking the right. test. what? Because right. even when I got through it, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, best friend, I think, would be a pretty good litmus test yeah. because best friend knows good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah, that's true. Um, somebody that you know at work, mm-hmm. 
you can ask them to take it because yeah I'm different at work than I am at home Mm -hmm. a work person probably might not see me as a two Mm -hmm. because I have a lot different boundaries at Mm -hmm. work than I do at at home Mm -hmm. and so I don't know I I think that the best friend though wouldn't be a bad idea it Mm -hmm. might be fun things for you guys to do yeah it would be kind of fun (laughs) yeah I I feel like I'd be able to nail her like straight up (laughs) do you want to tell me what you typed or no I'm curious we'll see what I want to I was curious just by our interaction what Uh would you would you have just thrown a number out no you know? No, not at all. Really? Not at all. You don't I, have any good guess? I don't have any good guess. I, I was actually really surprised. I I went to print it out and I was um, running out the door and forgot to grab it because whatever type that is, that's not. <laughs> the type that forgets to grab things? <laughs> yeah, when I'm running out the door. Yeah. I'm all organized and then as I'm running out the door, it's... <laughs> that could be brain. lots of different types in, the, in stress. <laughs> uh, so this surprised me. So, okay, it said I was type 3, the achiever, mm-hmm. and then... And so that was my highest score. And then my second highest score was a tie between uh, eight, five, seven, and one. I got a mm-hmm. four-way tie. Is and that normal? Yeah, they're so not, they're so not alike. I could see three because of the things that you do. Like threes are effortless achievers. In their highest self, they are the source of beauty and radiance. Aww. And so I, you know, <laughs> and, and so threes, threes are in that same triad with the twos. Okay. Threes want to be mirrored. Threes want attention, mm-hmm. but they get it in totally different ways. Whereas a two is going to get it by doing and being helpful and being loving mm-hmm. to get love, mm-hmm. which is indirect. A three is going to do it by being seen as successful, what their image is seen as. Interesting. So those essential qualities of like beauty and radiance, they don't often know that they're the source of because they lose touch of that within themselves. So they try to make themselves radiant or beautiful by what they have achieved. Interesting. So what comes up then for the three in their level of, um, uh, when they're a little bit less healthy or when they feel stressed out is a sense of deceit or even self-deceit and vanity can mm-hmm. come up. Mm-hmm. Like wanting to have an appearance so a two with a three wing is going to understand that, like wanting to appear also very um, high achieving, mm-hmm. but giving, you know, yeah. and a three with a two wing, and I, I know a couple of these, want to be seen as achievers and um, performers in some way, but also um, very loving and giving. Yeah. So that's where those energies would, would coexist. Yeah, as so I was reading through it, I thought, well, this is really interesting because I like, I, I love meeting strangers. You know, uh-huh. but I get very shy around people I know that I don't know really, really well. Okay. You know, or, and I just, I don't know, some of this stuff, I was like, I don't know, that just isn't, but how other people see me and how I see myself, I'm sure are completely different. Or I right. learn who I am by others in that, mm-hmm. as I hear what people do and how they feel about things, I'm like, oh, that's interesting, I'm going to think about that and see mm-hmm. how I feel, you know. Mm-hmm. But as yeah. a kid, I would say when I was younger mm-hmm. that how people saw me was extraordinarily important to me because okay. I was, you know, I felt very geeky and gangly and nervous and okay. anxious, you know, about that stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just interesting to see. I, it cracked me up that the other one, that four or five of them was yes. a tie. I'm that's like, why really? tests, oh my God. Yeah, That's why I don't love the test yeah. because it's like, how can you, that's so... They're so specific. The types are so specific. How could you say you're definitely this, but also could be these four? Like, Mm -hmm. in a test, they can do it because they're not feeling you. It's just a test. But if you were to read the three, if you were highest on the three, if you were to read it, there is a likelihood that you probably are. Um, One thing that the three is an antidote for that fixation, is an antidote for that um, deceit or self-deceit or disconnect from their hearts, Mm -hmm. because threes are right in the middle of the heart, trying to sometimes have a disconnect from that, Mm because they're very assertive boundary types. They, what does that mean? Uh, assertive boundary means they're more engaging, more physical, more assertive, less um, 
open to feeling and less touchy feely. Yes. Yes. More demonstrative. Yes. So, and, and more and less demonstrative really of of real true love, Mm -hmm. but more demonstrative of demonstrative of projected appearance, the Mm -hmm. three. Mm -hmm. So the pathway out for the three is first of all, to open their heart and be vulnerable, but then I could work on that for sure. (laughs) Authenticity. (laughs) So authenticity is authentic. Yeah. You know, here, here, who's who I actually am. Yeah. And then you come to come into your whole um, being yeah. in that way. And are you're able to um, really access those essential qualities and remember that you're the source to them. Yeah. Because the, the whole the whole idea of the Enneagram is that we're born with these essential qualities just inherent in us. Mm-hmm. And so like for let's take the eight, for instance, when we, we talk about the types, oftentimes they start with the eight. And the eight is the source of vitality and life force and power. So imagine being this little eight, you know, running around like, I am powerful, you know, woo. Mm -hmm. And then something happens, whether it's trauma in their life or imperfect parenting or something happens where they lose that connection Mm -hmm. with that essential quality that is them. And then they suffer the illusion that they don't have it anymore. And so then they try to recreate the illusion of that separateness outside of themselves. So then eights try to be powerful and be full of life force and vitality. And they're called, they end up being called the challengers, the ones that are, so like a healthy eight might be Martin Luther King, whereas an unhealthy eight might be like Stalin. So healthy eights are powerful. They command respect, right? They just are instead of they, they don't. I love what you just said. Instead of they're either they be or they are. Mm -hmm. So there's the the one that's wearing the mask Mm -hmm. saying, look at this. Look at this thing that I am. Yeah. And then the other, it just is. It just is. And you can tell and you can, you can feel specifically. You can tell if you, if it's you, you know, whether you're actually living through your power, your essential qualities, or if you're trying to create them. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of um, anxiety over mm-hmm. trying to recreate this because you, you think, you believe um, in error that you're not the source of it anymore. So trying to recreate it, that's our ego, trying to create safety or security, whatever it is. So coming back to ourselves, taking a moment, you know, and, and coming back into presence, like, oh, wait, it's not gone anywhere. I am that thing. Mm-hmm. And then that's when our virtue can come out, when we're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm present. I'm not trying to be powerful. I'm not trying to demand power and respect. I just am. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, you know, this is the, the way that wars can be stopped. You know, this is the way that relationships can heal, is in remembering that if we just take a minute and we're just in ourselves, that these essential qualities will come through. And that's how we can relate to people. I could just see the, the relationship fight. You're being such a four right now. All the time. All the time. I think at the beginning, yes, you use it as a weapon and it sucks. And it's and we that's like what we do with everything, you know, when we know a little bit about it, we can be dangerous. Sure. And it can be a fun, you know, parlor game, a party yeah. game. Like, oh, let's take this test and let's see what James is. And it's like, oh yeah, James is such a five. I'm like, that sucks. Yeah. It's, it's not helpful. It's mm-hmm. fun maybe, but that for who? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're one of the cool types. What if you're, I'm just kidding. Is there There's a cool no, time? Well, you know, I say that. It's not true. But, I mean, I always, I feel like it's funny. I do these meetings at, at the center where all the different types get together. And then we do breakout groups once a month where it's just that type, like one type a month. Uh-huh. And so the beginning of the month, you know, it's just everybody together. And and um, and the ones I've always I've joked about, like, I always want to be a seven. Like, everyone wants to be a seven. Sevens are so much fun. They're like the life of the party. Well, you get to know sevens, and this last month I had a breakout group of, you know, I think there was like seven sevens in the room. It's not all like, you know, rainbows and unicorns to be a seven because they're one of the mind triads that's in their head a lot with a lot of anxiety about what could happen. And 
kind of running from that feeling of fear. So mm -hmm. they appear to be fun-loving and exciting and like life of the party, but it's there's oftentimes when they're not present, oftentimes seven are in this state of like uh, anxiety and mm -hmm. needing to not slow down for fear of, you know, getting caught by something that could control them or hurt them mm -hmm. or... Or, um, I know people yeah. like that that are constantly in movement so they don't ever have to sit with themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And different types are like that, but sevens specifically, like you can just see there's an energy, a very kinetic energy around sevens. Mm -hmm. My best friend's a seven and she just can work a room and she's fun. She's the most fun person I've ever been around. She's amazing. And she needs to, you know, sometimes quiet and come back to center and be like, that's right. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm safe. I'm good. Everything's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just that energy that... Yeah, everyone wants to. I want to be a seven. I've joked about that with other people. Like, I want to be this. I don't really. You want to be the highest level of your own type. Sure. Yeah, you don't sense. want to try to aspire to be like the healthiest eight you can be unless you're an eight, you know, and then you can't. So why would you want to do that? So know? I know we sort of touched on this, but mm -hmm. does one change from a two to an eight or a seven mm -hmm. to a five or whatever through the course of a lifetime? Or as we talked about, it really is just a putting a finer point on who you were as a kid? I don't think it's really who you were as a kid. I think it's more that you, I believe that you are a dominant type um, throughout your life. However, it's a movement. It's, it's, a, it's a path. It's not stagnant. It's not stationary. It's, um, it's fluid. And so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a type. I think you're a type. I hate saying that, but I feel like there is a dominant type. This kind of energy. The point of it, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I wish I had a kind of a different name. There's a dominant energy that you were attracted to when you were young that you became. Some people believe we're born with it. Some people believe that we adopt it at stress. Oh. But I think it's like something we're born with. Because I see these babies that just feel like this energy, like two, three-year-olds that feel like the energy. Yeah. Saying that, you, it's not good to type well, anybody like before they're 12. Maybe. Uh, Ted Bundy. <laughs> so the lowest level of possibly, um, I mean, I don't know Ted Bundy, but I think it's actually in the book. Maybe He's a, a serial killer. Oh, I know who he is. Oh, I mean, okay. I know who he was. <laughs> what I'm saying is I didn't know him. Oh, I, I just knew what he was known as doing. Right. So I didn't really know what caused Life him. Life at the party, that one. <laughs> I don't know really what caused him to be a serial killer. I don't sure. know what his demons were. Yeah. Um, I know just what he's done. And so it's, that's really difficult to say. Yeah. Um, but he was a lowest, a very low level of whatever it was that he was. Was. Sure. not self-aware yeah um, and you know same with like Jeffrey Dahmer I mean you can look at these books and you can see what the personalities of famous people were probably oh. like they say that Barack Obama is most likely a nine I don't think they interviewed him to ask him that um, they say that Oprah Winfrey is probably a three Tom Cruise was a three is a three but that's just really the energy of the type interesting more than the you know I don't know that they actually know these things about them do you know what I'd be curious mm. is to test somebody with multiple personality disorder and mm. see what all their personalities what all their types were if they were similar or yeah. dissimilar I think that would be very interesting yes it would be I know they've done twins before mm. and twins have had totally different types yeah that makes sense but I don't know if they've ever done anything on multiple personality that's fascinating I don't know but I, I do think that you're born a type but again I think that you evolve through it so that I mean ideally you're not going to be at a low average level of your type you're going to be a higher level of your type and then like I said you integrate at your stress point like when you experience stress you're either going to integrate into like a higher level energy like if you are in fact a three you're going to integrate to the higher higher level of six and you're going to disintegrate to nine so that's just the path that a three would take mm. and you know similarly the other six types go on their own path 
Um, and but you guys, if you are in fact a three, the nine, six, and three are kind of like so. A how do you know triangle. them? I mean, well, I can't tell you what type you are. I would just, I would just encourage you to um, read about the types, read different books, different um, perspectives of type three. And if that resonates with you, then you know you can then start the process of learning. Hard to get out of your own way, though. I think the yeah. person we lie to the most is ourselves. So if mm-hmm. that's true, then mm-hmm. it's, it's I think having true self-awareness mm-hmm. enough to, to figure out what that all means. Is, mm-hmm. So what are these books you have here? Oh, I just brought this book that's it's one I'm reading right now, uh, Christopher Hewart's It's the Sacred Enneagram, and I brought it in case I needed any kind of like, you know, reminders Reference. of things. But I mean, I basically, the reason I like this book so much as is right now is it's added to the lexicon. But um, I like the basic, you know, Risso Hudson books. Helen Palmer is, is a great author who writes... Um, about the different nine personality types, but the reason I'm liking this and also Richard Rohr's book I love Richard Rohr is because they so awesome. add on the spiritual dynamic to it. Yeah. So, like you just said, you know, lying to yourself. It, if you are actually able to be quiet with yourself and be really honest with yourself yeah. and develop that compassion mm-hmm. for your crap, mm-hmm. then I think you can really embrace this and, and work mm-hmm. with it. I think that there's been people that are like, I don't know, that just feels really negative, and it's mm-hmm. like, well. That might you might not be ready to deal with that, but this this is real for me. I've seen it. You know, I've never seen somebody that came to find their type that didn't um, want to make some sort of changes or, or further their um, their study into it. I mean, people when yeah. they learn about it are like, wow. Yeah, that like I was saying, it, it was weird to to look at the two things, the two questions, and then to, most of them I try to answer just right away, just mm-hmm. whatever felt right mm-hmm. as I went through, just being intuitive about it. Mm-hmm. But the couple that you know stumbled me, I thought, okay, if if I was at a party, how would I behave? Well, sometimes I behave this way, sometimes I. Behave. How do people see me? Well, I've been told them that, and it was, and then I yeah. got, then I almost you get into your head too you much. Get into your head too much, yeah. and so then you have to sort of okay, calm down now, look at it again. What yeah. does it feel like? You yeah. know, try and trust that intuitive sense to answer instead of your your mind. Yeah, so I think that's where we get in a lot of trouble is we answer a lot of stuff from our brain. Yeah, instead of from our from our gut, and the Enneagram describes that there's three different centers. I think I told you about the heart center. There's three different centers. Your your body which is also called the gut center, mm-hmm. your gut triad. Then there's the, the heart center or the, the feeling triad. And then the, think, uh, the, the thinking center, the mind triad. And so the, like these different triads, we need to balance them. So like twos, threes, and fours are in the heart center. Oftentimes we do a lot of feeling and then doing, feeling and then doing. And what we don't do oftentimes is really think things through. So there's lots of different groupings for, um, for the different types. but um, balance is really important and, and remembering you know what your antidote out of that fixation is which if in fact you are three would be that like I said that vulnerability for me it's it's meditation mindfulness mm. I'm part of a what's called the um, the permeable boundaries or inner critic types that really needs to calm that monkey mind critic through meditation not saying that threes couldn't benefit from meditation but for you those assertive boundary types you really need to like open the heart mm-hmm. so mm, that's so interesting all right so mm-hmm. what about your radio show well say it slower uh, what are the call letters yeah w- so the the radio station here in nashville is wxna okay fm and online it's wxnafm.org so you can stream it worldwide or through the TuneIn app but it's it's fm radio here in metro uh-huh. Nashville and I think you can get it almost down to Lake Brentwood and somewhat up in Madison but it's mostly just metro it's community radio um, and we just had our uh, our fall pledge drive we've been around about a year and 
four months. Uh-huh. It kind of took the place of uh, WRVU, which used to be the community uh, radio station or the college radio station here um, eight years ago. And then this group, this board member group, got this together. And my friend got me involved because she was my running buddy. And years ago, she said, we're thinking about getting this radio station going. Would you ever want to have a show? And it was, I was running for the first time. I was you know, doing these 5Ks with her and with my other friend. And I decided that year that I was going to say yes to any challenge that kind of scared me a little bit. Mm. So I was like, yes, I'll do a radio show. And I didn't even, you know, I didn't, I don't even think we had the center yet, but it was just like about alternative therapies. I'm yeah. like, sure, I'll do a show. So they uh, applied to the FCC, got the station going and, you know, um, it was amazing and then all of a sudden I had to do a radio show and I didn't know what I was doing and I I know now enough that I can edit but um, what I've loved the most about it is anytime I'm interested in a modality alternative therapy or really anything that has to do with holistic health I'll find the person or they'll find me and I've learned so much about so many things yeah like it's awesome essential oils or different types of um, body work energy work uh, nutrition. I've, I've interviewed probably, I think I have like 55 shows right now, and I, I use them as reference now for people that come into the center that have questions about their health or about certain things. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I had a show about EFT tapping, or I had a show about medical Qigong, or I had a show about, you know, with Michelle and with Annie Waugh about NST. I love Annie. So I can be like, yeah. go to this because yeah. they talk about their stuff better than I can. Yeah, so totally. go use that as a reference, and yeah. maybe that'll be something that can help you. So Yeah, I saw Annie, and she did, um, the, she did a couple different things, but one of the things that seemed super for me, it was incredible with the um, rapid eye movement mm-hmm. therapy. Is it EMDR? Maybe. Okay. I don't want to get it wrong. No, it's okay. Case, but it's the the thing where you know she runs her hands slowly and your eye follows it and oh, okay. it like it untangles your brain pan from yeah. whatever monstrous, horrifying childhood yeah. traumas you might have. She's amazing. She really. Yeah, is. she does great. Her and Michelle both, and, and yeah. we've we've become close the three of us. And um, so I would I would have her back on the show in a heartbeat. She's one of those people. It's like I'm I can learn so much from. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she talked about uh, NST as well as um, some essential That's oils. That's the tappy one. Muscle testing. Yeah. 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 It's so fascinating. It is, yeah. And it's funny because, like, my father, who's very, he's a scientist, and he's very, you know, I don't, I don't, I say that as a preface, as if scientists can't be open to all these things, which, of course, absolutely they can. But when I first started talking to him about these other modalities, and, you know, uh, acupuncture, or Qigong, or, you know, or mm-hmm. anything, you know, he's like, oh, you're witch doctory yep. stuff witch you know? doctors. I'm like dad this stuff is really great acupuncture is mm-hmm. incredible acupuncture is really incredible yeah. it, it is it is kind of voodoo though I don't understand how it works it just does yeah I think it, it, it stops uh, it stops impulses right yeah it resets your uh, sympathetic nervous system out yeah. of, it takes you out of fight or flight and resets and puts your body back into homeostasis and it helps with inflammation so yeah. for me as a massage therapist um, I just got it for some inflammation I was having in my neck, and yeah. she'll work on my hands, and it's it's quicker than anything else for me. Yeah, one session, I'm I'm fine for like a month. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it really is. I remember mm-hmm. years ago, um, I had a cut on my leg that got infected really quickly, and um, I was seeing an acupuncturist for something completely different. Uh, I was having some headaches and she was working on that and she spoke very little English. Mm-hmm. She smiled a lot and you know, that's enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and <laughs> so I'm like, that's all I know. She was recommended to me by someone that I trusted so, mm-hmm. and she had a lovely demeanor. I had no idea what she was saying. But um, she got me up on the table to work on my, my brain pan and 
she, I was wearing shorter pants and she looked down and it looked awful. And she pointed at that and she, she shook her head. And I said, I know, it looks, it doesn't look good. It's not healing. And she, she nodded and then she stuck a bunch of pins around it and it was totally healed. Wow. Like in a day or two, I was wow. like, you were a witch doctor. Yes. But it was great. That's healthcare though there. I, I mean, know. and it should be healthcare here. Hey, a billion people can't be wrong. That's, that's right. all I'm saying. When you talk about brain pan, what are you, what are you referring my, to? Just my head, like oh, the brain. Okay. I call it the brain pan. It's my head and then, you know, the brain sits inside the brain pan. Oh, I don't I know where I picked that up. I've said that forever, but. Okay. Just the brain pan is this area in general. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fascinating. Okay, so um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I didn't they... talk about the type. If you want me to go through the types, I can. Um, yeah, that would be neat. Okay, yeah, I'll see sure. what, what kind of time do we have so I can kind of in my head 15 now. 15 minutes? Okay, well, it's so, really up to you. you right, know. so the um, the way I think I, I talked about is that the, the, the biggest distinction between the different types is these three different sets of types. So... The body types are the eights, nines, and ones, and they are uh, the, they're called the autonomy types. They have a particular relationship also with anger, and um, express that and express their desire for autonomy in three totally different ways. So the eight is the challenger, I already talked about that, and the name is basically like the test, it's not ideal because then as soon as you say the name, you think mm. that's, and the name is more like, um, of each type is more like how you present. Mm. So it's not really essential, to who you are, so that's, I don't like saying it, but it's really good to help learn the different types. So the eights, the challengers, are the first of the body triad, um, and they have the essential qualities, like I said, of vitality and power and life force. When they lose touch with that, their fixation of lust will come in. So lust for, not just sexually, but that can come into play, but it's more like the idea of objectification or, or caricaturization of like, I want that, or that, or him, or, it's this idea of kind of wanting more and um, through their uh, process, they develop innocence or mercy as their virtue. So then um, the nines are the peacekeepers, and um, they have this essential qualities of peace and unity and groundedness, and um, they don't want to be messed with either, and they will just go to their, um, when they're not present, when they're not engaged, they will go to their sloth, which is this idea of like, there's also like sort of a self-amnesiac thing that'll happen with nines where they, forget themselves and their opinions in the, in the um, context of keeping the peace and not creating conflict. It's like, no, whatever you want. And so they, they, whereas the eights express their anger, the nines deny they have any because they don't want a lot of conflict. So in their higher levels, they keep the peace, but that comes at a price oftentimes for nines. Mm. Um, so out of their process of understanding sloth and, and their essential qualities too, they um, have this engagement that can occur where a very engaged, um, peaceful, present nine is lovely. Everyone wants to have them around. Uh, the ones are the last of the body triad. They're the reformers, um, ethics professors, moralists, um, and understanding that there is a pattern and a path for everything. In their lower levels, though, this judgment or resentment or anger can come in, this really intense, ex um, repressed, though, anger. So we've got expression, denial, and repression. Mm. Repression because it's bad to be angry. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of internal judgment, which then gets kind of pushed across as judgment of other. Mm -hmm. And I need to change things, and I need, no to, fear of those. <laughs> I need to start this petition because this is wrong, and this can't be. So out of their process comes this serenity, this idea that... Um, everything happens for a reason, that there's a purpose and a cause for everything. Um, if, you, if you think of the fixations of lust and sloth and anger or judgment, 
That's where the seven deadly sins they say came from. The best ones. That's right. right. These are all the best statements. But also these virtues, like these holy ideas, come out of it too. This is why it can be such a spiritual process. So the next triad is the um, the feeling triad or the heart triad. Really quick, I think it's yeah. funny that most people could name all the seven deadly sins, but very few people could name all the virtues, myself included. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't know that I could name the seven deadly sins before I had known about the Enneagram, but um, now I could, just as I, I, I couldn't name the seven dwarves either. But um, the virtues, we should all know, right? You would think. Like, we should, but yeah. I, I, w- I would argue that most do. people probably know their, their sins before their virtues. Yeah, and that's why it's this... Interesting. That's that's why this process is so important because it's it's uplifting. It's not just like pushing us down into our shadow. Yeah. That's not the point. Right. Um, and that's why it can turn into that as a name calling kind of parlor game. Uh-huh. You know. But this is such an important process for people to wake up. So, yeah. Um, yeah so the, the the feeling triad, the twos, threes, and fours express their uh, desire for autonomy, uh, for mirroring and attention in three totally different ways. Like I said, the twos project and, and care for and help others at sometimes the expense of themselves and can be very manipulative in that way. Um, pride is their fixation and then humility is what mm. comes out of that process for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the threes are the achievers. Again, beauty and beauty and radiance and um, effortless achievement. And um, what comes out of their process of realizing that sort of deceit or self-deceit or vanity is authenticity. And then the fours um, get attention through um, uh, drawing back, withdrawing, and um, trying to be um, seen as special or unique. They're the individualists. And oftentimes they, they say that if you don't think you're any of the types, you're, you might be a four because they're the individualists. They don't want to be typed. And um, uh, you know, oftentimes they'll find that they are, oh, I'm in fact a four. If once they read through that and again, set that ego a little to the side mm. and really see it from a more intuitive, more enlightened sound like, oh yeah, that is, that is where I go. But the fours are the, the, the essential qualities of, of the four are amazing. They're the source of beauty and depth and mystery. A lot of creatives and artistic um, people are fours. They say Rumi was probably a four. Um, just that I- idea of creative expression and of fours, the way that they um, put things across is just so beautiful. They don't know that though, and they have this fixation of envy, like they have it better, or I want that, or mm-hmm. they're seen as less than. Um, so uh, w- their process, though, what comes out of that is this sense of um, um, equanimity, um, sort of a, a way of grace under and, and accepting of all the different energies and able to not be such a, at the whim of your mm. um, responses mm-hmm. to and you can tell for anything the darkest shit I'm sorry the darkest stuff you're allowed to swear on okay my you can, I have an explicit just in case okay well anyway the the darkest stuff you can tell for and they'll be like yeah I got you because they understand their own shadow side so I much. I wonder if I'm part four. Did I, did I mention that number? You might be a three-wing four. You might be, I don't <laughs> I'm know. I'm like, God, there's a lot of that four that I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> well, even just the, the statement, I will say, the statement you made about, like, I don't know, like, isn't it all just from our... Fours tend to try to distance themselves from the Enneagram at some at some, some stages because of that I, uh, desire to be seen as unique, which we are. Yeah. Again, you're, if you're a four, you're a four-wing with a three, you're at this level, you're doing yeah. this, and that's just your ego, so what do you have to actually give? Yeah. That's not just Well, that. one of the questions I recall was, do people tell you all the time you're not like anyone else they've ever met? I'm like, hell yeah! Yeah, that can be four and three, <laughs> because threes want to be seen as that, and fours often are, and it's and there's either a lot of attachment to that as a four, yeah. or a lot of um, pride in that as a three, you know, yeah. depending, but yeah. <laughs> Um, so and then and then so then the next triad would be the, the thinking triad, um, 
the head center. And those are the five, sixes, and sevens. And they have a relationship with wanting security. Mm. And fear would be their sort of negative emotion that they all tether to at some point. So the, the fives are the investigators. Um, their essential qualities would be clarity and illumination. And it's just these like ping of ideas that come to them, oftentimes mm. clairvoyant. Mm. Um, when they're young, maybe they see ghosts or maybe they see other things that other people just don't see. Um, fives are brilliant minds when they're present um, when they are not they start to go into that fear sense of not being good enough or competent enough and their um, fixation of avarice can come in mm. which is an idea of um, not, not greed as much as a withholding of withholding of self withholding of energy I don't have enough energy to get through this so I'm just gonna stay at home um, uh, I'm, I don't feel like feeling I'm feeling really five right yeah, now too. <laughs> like you could be a four with an energy of the three and the five on either side of you. Who knows? Who knows? And there's no hurry, you know, because you're still gonna be you. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I the, see dead people. That's right. So the fives, the fives um, are just brilliant thinkers. They say Einstein, Nietzsche, Freud, um, Bill Gates probably are five. Um, when they were allowing their gifts to be seen. Well, oftentimes they'll kind of hide into themselves and detach. But their virtue out of realizing this, this whole process for themselves is non-attachment. Mm. Very different from detachment. It's a more Buddhist idea of here, you know. Um, not the counterphobic to avarice. The counterphobic to withholding is take everything, I don't need it. That's different than non-attachment. Mm. Non-attachment is here, I have more, it's fine, there's plenty. Mm -hmm. My ideas are good and this is okay and I have enough energy. And that whole, whole idea of um, when a five can be present, all of these amazing ideas that are necessary can be put forward. So mm -hmm. sixes are right in the middle of that um, mind triad. And what they say is that the people, um, the types in the middle of the triads are least in touch with that center. So nines are the least in touch with their body center. Remember I told you that kind of idea of just like withdrawing. Mm -hmm. Threes, the least in touch with the heart center, needing to be more vulnerable and feeling. Mm -hmm. And then the sixes, least in touch with the mind center. They feel like they don't know anything or won't know anything. In fact, they're the ones that they say um, were a lot of the first responders at 9-11. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they, did, they knew this, but I've read this in a couple different places. It's like they just kind of know what to do. Sixes are called loyalists, um, sometimes, or the skeptic. Mm -hmm. They have um, as their essential qualities just this wisdom and this knowledge um, and a courage that comes through for their process. Um, they do a lot of threat forecasting, thinking about the imagined future mm -hmm. instead of being present. Mm -hmm. But when they are present, what comes to them, they handle. But oftentimes, they, again, they're not present because they're like, oh, what if this happens? I need to be prepared for this, this, and this. Mm. So like so, military people would probably fall into that a little more. A lot of sixes, um, possibly eights as well, um, and possibly ones, needing to change things, reformers. You probably wouldn't see a lot of people that are like nines or, or possibly fours in the military unless they were drafted, I would imagine. And I just totally made that up off the cuff, but it feels like feels probably, yeah. you know. Um, so the sixes and the sevens are similar in the idea of thinking of the imagined future, but the sixes are going to be um, the ones that are trying to prepare for every possible eventuality. Mm. Again, when they're present and they realize that anxiety is their fixation and they can calm it and temper it with meditation, because again, they're in the inner critic triad, through that meditation and mindfulness, then that courage can come through when they're able to face what comes. The sevens are in the imagined future oftentimes too, but with a more positive mm -hmm. spin, whereas the sixes are like, this could happen and it's gonna be bad. Mm -hmm. Sevens are like, this, this could happen, but everything's gonna be fine. And it's a more of an escapist feel. The sevens are the enthusiasts, life of the party, the epicures, um, amazing, wonderful, joyous uh, people, the source of abundance and freedom and joy. 
and they don't remember that, so they try to create joy. They try to create freedom and abundance by wanting more and by experiencing more mm-hmm. and maybe not um, uh, committing to certain things. Not that they can't be committed uh, to like relationships and families, but to um, Friday night plans, maybe not. Maybe they want to keep their options open. Mm-hmm. And they might also overcommit because mm-hmm. they want to you know, do a lot of different things. And they don't want to disappoint. Mm-hmm. But they're part of the positive outlook triad, too. The twos, sevens, and nines are all like, everything's great. And so the sevens, when they threat forecast, are like, everything's fine because they don't want to sit with the fear of their own anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, their fixation would be gluttony. Want to um, eat that's all the things one. and have all the things. Yeah, that's a good one, except unless you're a seven. But yeah, I understand what you mean. It's like, woo, it's so much fun. But they can um, drink or eat to excess. Uh-huh. They can um, abuse drugs, you know, things like that. So it's different than lust of like wanting of things. Uh-huh. Gluttony is like, I want to eat and have and do all the things. Mm-hmm. I'm just, let's just go to Italy and spend all the money. Yeah. yeah, that's more like the sevens, lower level energy. But what comes out of their process is beautiful. It's this causeless joy, or also known as sobriety, mm. which is a beautiful feeling if you're a seven. It's like, oh, I can experience this level of abundance and freedom without having to do anything to make myself feel that. Mm-hmm. So that's their sort of holy ideal of virtue. Interesting. So those are all those are all the types as quick as I can say them, and there's lots more. Like I said, the instincts, I think, are even more important in a lot of ways than your type, because your instinct whether you're dominant in sexual, social, or self pres is going to determine your value system, the and lens through which you see the world. How do you test for that? Well, there's a test for it. But again, I think it's just describing um, and learning about it. Is like This sort of dialogue would be better. For instincts, um, you, I'll often use like a party metaphor, where um, so if you are a self pres dominant and you go to a party, your first instinct might be to find out where's the snacks and do I have a sweater and is that couch over there comfy? Like that's going to be the thing you think about maybe first. Um, is there a bathroom? You know, what the temp is like, that sort of thing. Comfort. Um, the basic instincts, the basic needs, food, yeah. water, shelter. You yeah. Know, that sort of comfort. Protection. The second, um, tra- uh, the second instinct would be the sexual instinct, which is more of... Um, uh, transmitting as, as opposed to sex it's not really about sex it's about how you transmit what's in, it's more of a one-on-one sort of connection um, and they're going to walk into a party and be like "Ooh, that guy over there I want to talk to him or oh, no her I want to talk to her I just feel something I vibe with that person and they will do that they might still have some snacks but that's not going to be the filter through which they see the party right mm-hmm. they're going to value more that connection and that'll be successful for them if they've had like one or two really deep things that have occurred during that party. A social dominant is going to walk into a party and be like, "Who's in charge here?" Like it's a it's a more of a, a navigating the hierarchy of social constructs. It's like, who is the one that I need to talk to, or who are the people that, and where do I fit in? Hmm. That's the other thing that will be important. Mm-hmm. For me, I thought I was a social dominant for years because I can talk to people, I can be in social settings, and I'm comfortable. But it's not that. I realize actually I have a social blind spot, which is the one at the bottom, your least likely or least developed instinct, because I realize that that sort of thing isn't, I don't really understand it. Like the social, I get uncomfortable when there's like a networking event and I've got to do like, I get like kind of uncomfortable and I'd rather just sit with one person and talk Mm because I'm a real comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. sexual dominant is what it is. Um, My self-pres is in the middle. And then I have a, a, a blind spot of social. So that's kind of how you determine it is more with the, that idea than taking a test. Although you can take a test mm-hmm. and figure it out. I think those are two. Oh, interesting. Too. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so much to know. There is a lot to know. And, and this, I, I've, like I said, I've been doing it, reading about it six, seven years. And I know, like, 
just a tiny little bit. There's mm -hmm. so much more, mm -hmm. and it's so exciting for me. And, and then the more people that know about the Enneagram, you just added on all their energy into the lexicon of the Enneagram. Like you learn that you, let's say you learn that you're a four or a three, you've just brought all this more information. Mm -hmm. That's why I love having the groups because we can like it's like uh. a panel. You can learn so much more about like what's your experience of being a four? What's your experience of being a four? How is it similar? And how is it different? And it's just fascinating. Yeah, like, I can't date you. You're a three. No, uh. it's, it, and that's the thing people say. Like, well, can different types are different types more compatible? Like in um, astrology, it seems like different types might be more compatible or more incompatible. And I don't think that. I think that what's compatible is your level of health inside your type. I think, that's I think a really healthy nine can be with a really healthy eight and it could be with a really healthy five. But if you're an unhealthy eight, you're not gonna make anyone happy in a relationship. If you're an unhealthy person. If you're an unhealthy like, anything. Yeah, yeah. I think and, that's and, across the and board. And that may be more compatible though. If you're in a lower average with another lower average, that might be acceptable because mm. that's what you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody that's healthier is gonna be like, uh-uh. Mm -hmm. So I think there's less compatibility or incompatibility of type, but more compatibility of, of health. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's really fascinating. Ramona, yeah. tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, um, well, I'm right here. Sydney. Yes. No, I'm <laughs> here. Follow so the Harley. The radio show, <laughs> that's right. The radio show is on every Tuesday at 2. Right now, we used to be Fridays at 1, but we're Tuesday at 2 Central Time on 101.5 in Nashville or, again, WXNAFM.org online. Um, I will also have all the archives on my website, which is mynashvillecenter.com under Holistic Revolution. You can get all those um, archived episodes and also just learn about the center, about what we do. And um, also you can email me at Ramona, R-A-M-O-N-A at mynashvillecenter.com. Great. And I'll put links to everything in the books we talked about as well on heyhumanpodcast.com so y'all can find all the good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Bye, everybody. Bye.